This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. An increasing number of working families are turning to either Medicaid or to the Children's Health Insurance Program for coverage for their kids. New research by the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia shows that even when these parents get insurance coverage through their place of employment, large or small businesses with benefits, they are still priced out of adequate coverage. The study looked at the period from 2008 to 2016 and found that insurance rates increased by double digits at many private and public sector businesses. It found even middle-income families making almost $73,000 annually had to rely on public insurance to make ends meet. With more, we are joined in studio by Doug Strain, who's Research Project Manager at Policy Lab at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and he's co-author of the report titled Growth of Public Coverage Among Working Families in the Private Sector. The report, by the way, appears in the July edition of Health Affairs. Doug, nice meeting you. Thanks for having me. Glad Thank to be you. here. Thank you. Uh, I guess let's start with with the research that you did and, and kind of the, the story behind why you, this was so important. Sure. So we actually kind of like to think of this as a kitchen table issue. I know when you're talking about programs like Medicaid and CHIP, you're thinking at the federal level, you know, millions of children. But we approach this from, like I said, kind of a kitchen table where we're thinking about families in these lower income brackets, low to middle income families. So let's say families making um, up to fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year for a family of four. And uh, over the last decade or so, we've seen pretty steady increases in both the cost of health insurance premiums, as well as uh, how common deductibles are. So it adds up to um, quite a bit of money that's coming directly out of people's pockets to pay for health insurance. Um, And what's really changed about this in the last decade is that we kind of think of employer-sponsored insurance. So if you're a working family, you get coverage through your employer. We think of that as being high-quality coverage that's also affordable. Um, But with these big changes, we're actually starting to see that families are being priced out of that coverage. And so what we wanted to ask was, with these increasing prices, are families seeking health insurance for their children elsewhere? And so in terms of the numbers of people that you looked at and, and the percentages, how many people are, can we get a gauge, are relying on these programs right now? Sure. So um, so uh, we looked at a data set that allows us to um, capture everyone in the United States. So it's okay. nationally representative. Okay. Um, and what we found is that um, it was about 20% of kids in working families were covered with uh, Medicaid or the Children's Health Insurance Program. So it worked out to about uh, 8.6 million kids. Um, in working families. So obviously, when you uh, look at families that are unemployed or below the federal poverty level, um, it's quite a few more that are using Medicaid and CHIP. But our study focused on those working families that are in, uh, that are using Medicaid. And CHIP. from a historical perspective, those are numbers that are, that are on the rise at this point? At this point, yeah. And part of that is a trend over the last two decades where we've seen um, continually decreasing uninsurance among children, which is great. That's a big win. It's We're at historically low uninsurance rates in the yeah. U.S. And Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program, which was started here in Pennsylvania, um, is a big reason for that. We're joined here in studio by Doug Strain of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. We're talking there about their report uh, involving uh, working families using more uh, Medicaid and the CHIP program. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Now, as you mentioned, this to a degree, this is 
the people at the dining room table Mm -hmm. and the impact that has. But this also has to be the thought process of where we're going from the policy side, Mm -hmm. where we're going with these programs and the necessity of having these types of programs moving forward. We assume because we expect the costs either to at worst stay where they are now, but most likely continue to increase. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I think the numbers that we found in our paper really serve to drive home that the role of Medicaid and CHIP is changing, and it's changing really quickly for working families. And I think that's something that we need to be much more intentional about incorporating into policy discussions about the future of children's health insurance. So what we found is that... um, uh, well, we first I should explain, we, we looked at where parents worked. So did yeah. they work at a small business? Did they work at a large corporation? Or did they work in the public sector? Um, and we weren't very surprised when we found that the children most likely to be covered by uh, public insurance were those who had mom or dad working for a small business. Yeah. Small businesses tend to have more expensive health benefits if they offer them at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for smaller businesses, they're not required to offer uh, benefits under the Affordable Care Act. Um, so we weren't very surprised. That's actually kind of what the, the CHIP program in particular was kind of designed to fill that gap. Um, so we found that uh, over time, those kids where mom or dad worked for a small business, they had the highest odds of, of having public insurance. And it increased over time quite a bit. So that um, in the lowest income bracket, we actually found that in 2016, four out of five kids where mom or dad was working for a small business were uh, covered by either Medicaid or CHIP. Um, But like I said, not the most surprising finding, but it's always good to have your your suspicions confirmed by data. But when you're talking about then moving up a level in terms of more, I guess, what we would call middle income families who are working in these areas... And they are the ones that also still have to rely on these types of programs. That does give you really an, uh, uh, an eye-opening look at where health costs have really gone in the last decade to do and the impact that it's having on, on citizens here in the United States where we've had somewhat stagnant wage growth over the last couple of decades. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. So we found that among these slightly higher income families, or we'll call them moderate income families. Yeah. So let's say it's a family for earning anywhere from, you know, um, 40 to like $60,000 a year. We actually found uh, when mom or dad worked at a small business, there was a 43 percentage point increase in the proportion of kids in those families that were covered with public insurance. And that was between 2008 and 2016. So 40% more kids in those families were covered by public insurance. Um, But we actually also found that um, in that middle income bracket, it was even among kids where mom or dad worked for a large company, a corporation, that um, we saw a big growth in uh, the proportion that were covered with public insurance. It was lower than the the families where mom or dad worked for a small business, but it was definitely growing, too. And I think what's really important to keep in mind is there's many, many more families that work for large corporations. Uh, They employ lots more people kind of by nature. And – and so if we're thinking about the future of where families are getting their health care coverage, you know, the story in our mind, we kind of tend to go to those families where mom or dad works for a small business. Yeah. But what we actually found in our data is that many more families that are working and ha- have a kid on public insurance, they work for large corporations. So th- I think that's a real change in how we have to think about the role that public insurance is playing for working families. And it's also a change in, in how companies themselves are viewing the health piece for their employees as well, because many of those companies are probably ones that traditionally have had health coverage as a piece to their employees working for the company for for decades. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're absolutely right about that. And a big part of the change is, you know, the the 
rising cost of healthcare coverage in the U.S., which is you know driven by a rising cost of healthcare, um, and so that comes in the form of uh, increasing premiums. So. Um, if you look between 2008 and 2016, um, the the cost of premiums for family coverage at the average U.S. company increased by 57 percent. So that as of 2016, yeah. uh, families were paying on average about $5,200 a year for coverage. Um, you know, and that's a big increase. So if, if you're a family making forty thousand dollars a year, you know, an extra two, three thousand dollars going towards your family premium when your wage hasn't increased, that's something that families absolutely feel. And mm. what we think we're picking up on in this data is that families are doing the math and they kind of recognize if we can cover our kids with Medicaid or CHIP, we're gonna save money. Yeah. We're joined here in studio by Doug Strain. And part of this, Doug, is obviously also the fact that at the period you start, we're talking about the economic downturn in this country as well, where it became harder and harder for people to be able to focus on having health coverage just in general for their family. You're you're 100% right about that. I think, you know, we intentionally chose this period of 2008 to 2016 since we're starting, you know, right at the, the... very worst of the the recession there, and then up through the recovery in 2016. Um, and what we think we may have picked up on is that there were there could have been families who lost employment or lost their benefits during the recession and enrolled their kids in Medicaid or CHIP right. um, when they didn't have employer-sponsored insurance to turn to any longer. And what we think could be happening, this is this is somewhat of a hypothesis, but I, I think it's reasonable to think that it, um, working families, when they got a job again, when they, they gained employment again, um, they may have kept their kids on public insurance because yeah. their kids were already enrolled and they saw how much money they could be saving. And I think it's important to mention also, these are really good insurance programs. This is, um, you know, Medicaid and CHIP, they provide really high quality coverage for kids. And in some cases, just as good as you would get or even better than you would get in probably in some of the private health programs as well, correct? Absolutely. There's uh, there's some really great studies out there that show, um, you know, I, I think there's... Um, somewhat of a dated perception, but I think it's still definitely out there that uh, if you have Medicaid, it can be really hard to find a provider. And that can be true in some cases, but in general, I think for children in particular, um, Medicaid and CHIP have really high provider access and quality um, and really strong benefit packages. But should there have been an assumption, and I'm taking this as a layperson, sure. that the farther you got away from the recession, that the numbers of people using Medicaid and CHIP should have gone down to a degree, even factoring in people going back into the workforce. You would think so. Um, but I think I think if everything stayed exactly the same, if all costs of health care coverage stayed the same, you might see that. But what we've actually seen is that wages haven't um, haven't kept up with uh, the increases in the um, cost of healthcare coverage, and we've seen really dramatic increases in the rise of um, healthcare costs. So both premiums and deductibles. So it's about. Um, you know, we saw, like I said, about a 57% increase in the cost of premiums for family coverage. Right. And um, during that same period, wages grew by about 29%. So we're seeing that, you know, healthcare costs are taking up a larger proportion of families' bottom line. And what we think is happening is, is families are kind of doing the math, even if mom or dad has a job after the recession. So is the expectation because, because of, and again, maybe this is a, a hypothesis here, but because of where we have gone through this data over a nine-year period, and the expectation that costs in healthcare are not going to be going down significantly at any any point, that we are going to see even more people decide that make that decision, that Medicaid and CHIP is a, a cheaper option. Mm-hmm. You can save money, but you can still get as good coverage as you would with a lot of the private plans. Yeah, I think that's a pretty reasonable guess. I mean, obviously, 
we don't know the future, but all signs all signs seem to be pointing to uh, increasing enrollment in Medicaid and CHIP among kids in working families. Um, I think, um, and I think that's something that we need to take very seriously as we think about the future of children's health care coverage. Um, I'm an objective researcher, but I also strongly believe that children should have access to high quality coverage. Um, and I think that um, the lowest possible uninsurance rate among children is to everyone's benefit. Um, And so I think we need to, I think these data can kind of inform policy discussions moving forward as we think about kind of how working families are going to be making financial decisions um, and how that relates to their children's health care coverage moving forward. Um, There's many different approaches. If you wanted to talk about um, uh, policy options for for how families might cover their kids in the future. Um, and I definitely won't claim to be an expert in that. I think right. there's many, many different approaches, and it could even vary by state. But then that was going to be my next point, is that I mean, part of this is a federal issue that we're talking about here, but it makes you wonder how much that the states may have to be involved in this in this process moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we all know that, you know, healthcare policy in Washington has been a gridlock for the last few years, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> That's very kind <laughs> saying it that way, yes. Um, and so I think a lot of the action is probably going to be at the state level. If we want to see um, if we want to see action in both maintaining and increasing access to uh, benefits to make sure that children uh, have coverage moving forward. And I think it's important to note, too, you know, the, the Children's Health Insurance Program and Medicaid, um, the qualifi- qualification levels by income vary by state. So, you know, the, the way uh, the amount that you have to earn in Texas in order to qualify for public coverage differs from what it looks like in Pennsylvania. Um, so, you know, even though we saw increases in working families that um, that were using public benefits for their kids, in some states, families didn't have the option to switch to public coverage because they just earned too much. And yeah. so there was nothing there. So I think the demand is probably even greater than what we're seeing in the actual enrollment numbers for Medicaid and CHIP. Um, it's just that it varies by state. And so um, yeah. those families are still feeling the squeeze, even if they can't enroll their kids in public coverage. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with a comment our question. We're joined here in studio by Doug Strain of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. He's a research project manager at the, their policy lab and one of the people involved in the report that uh, we are talking about. Again, it is titled Growth of Public Coverage Among Working Families in the Private Sector, the report appearing in the July edition of Health Affairs. We go to Houston, Texas. Rom is on the line. Rom, go ahead. Yeah, hi. Um, uh, we had a pediatric clinic in Houston. And uh, we see a lot of Medicaid kids. And my question is, I've heard in the last year there has been a big drop in Medicaid enrollment nationwide. And uh, I'm trying to understand what is this due to? Is this because the economy has improved, therefore the income qualification, they they don't meet the threshold, you know, they've gone beyond the threshold. Or there's another theory that is there's a lot of fear from the immigration point of view that once you're on a public benefit, you might uh, uh, not qualify for, you know, green card and so on. So I'm trying to understand uh, the drop and why. Okay, Ron. Okay, Ron, thank you. So, again, your data looked up to 2016, but looking at that data and maybe laying this out a few years, can you see something where, where Ram is is pointing to with the with the drop numbers that he's talking about? Yeah, no, I'm familiar with those numbers. And last year, we did actually see a, a decrease in Medicaid enrollment for children nationwide. And I actually, I agree. I think, um, I think part of it is um, uh, what we refer to as public charge. So people... Um, 
uh, people perceiving and sometimes correctly that um, they may not be able to qualify for um, for residency status or citizenship um, if they're if they're using public benefits and um, so that could have caused some people to um, you know uh, to worry about their their family's broader um, well-being um, if they were to enroll their ch- child in uh, Medicaid or the Children's Health Insurance Program. So I think that's actually very real. I think those um, those concerns are very legitimate. Um, I think also um, there's been a lot of discussion about Medicaid work requirements um, mm-hmm. around the country. Yeah. And um, we know from previous literature that um, children's Medicaid enrollment is closely tied to their parents. So if mom sure. or dad is enrolled in Medicaid, then their kids are much more likely to be as well. And if we saw um, whether uh, parents no longer qualified for, for Medicaid due to a work requirement in their state, or I think just kind of these these conversations that are out in the air may have given people some of the false perceptions that they no longer qualified for Medicaid or that they maybe didn't have the paperwork in place to um, – prove that they were employed and maintain their their uh, Medicaid enrollment and therefore their kids enrollment could have dropped off some as well. Um, I think, um, you know, like I said, I do think that um, in working families, we're going to continue to see this increase in enrollment in Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program. Um, But I do think that there are policy concerns um, that are very legitimate that are going to keep families from enrolling even when they actually need it. Rom, thanks very much for the call. 844-942-7866. If you'd like to join in with a comment or question, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. And again, I'm going to go back to something which I think is the perception, and you alluded to it before, is that I think we still have this perception, even with the increasing costs, that the company itself is going to take on enough of a fair share of the health coverage cost to be able to make it affordable for their employees. And we're seeing that it's just not the case anymore because of of the company's bottom line that they have to worry about with the coverage and the cost that they are incurring. Mm-hmm. No, and I think in, in some ways you can think of the employers, they're, in some ways they're kind of just a, a middleman. You know, they're... Um, they're purchasing health insurance, and when the cost of that goes up, yeah, I mean, um, they're trying to they're trying to look out for their bottom line as well. So they have to make sure that they're offering something that they can afford. And part of that has, has caused companies to turn to uh, health insurance offerings like the high deductible health plan, where yeah. families have to pay a lot more out of pocket before the the health insurance benefits really start to kick in. Um, so yeah, I think I think that is actually a pretty legitimate concern, and which is why I think we need to be mindful that part of the policy conversation here is going to be about controlling healthcare costs in yeah. the future. We've seen a really consistent upward tick in um, in healthcare costs over the last decade, and um, I think if we want to be serious about making sure that families maintain access to healthcare um, healthcare and have healthcare coverage that's affordable, I think controlling healthcare costs is part of that. I, I guess can we even start to have and, and there's obviously a huge conversation going on right now about healthcare and where it needs to go in general. And there has been brought up the idea of being able to bring together companies, entities to be able to bring three or four church groups or three or four companies together to be able to try and lower the cost of, of healthcare. It's an idea that that I think hasn't been. We haven't gone far enough down the road at this point with it. 
Yeah, no, I think that's um, I, I and definitely I don't want to claim to be an expert on that. Yeah. But my general feeling is that um, that could make health insurance affordable um, for more um, small employers. So these families that we see in our study that are using Medicaid or CHIP to cover their kids when mom or dad work for a small business. Sure, that could be an option to kind of band together with uh, other small businesses or, or groups to kind of increase the risk pool and lower some of those health care costs. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that that is going to I think that's going to be a Band-Aid. I, I don't think that that is going to be an ultimate solution to keeping health care costs down for working families, particularly as uh, wages are stagnating. How important is it for you and the other people you worked with on this report to continue to look at this data as we move forward because of, of what you found in this in this nine year window? to understand better where we're going with this in the in the years to come. Yeah, absolutely. So we I should I should give a little bit of backstory. We actually put out a paper um in 2016, I believe. So that was using yeah. data up to 2013 and we yeah. saw similar trends. It was a slightly different question, but so we used this paper that we just put out to kind of check back in on those trends. Yeah. Um and I think absolutely. We need to we need to kind of keep an eye on this moving forward and um and kind of um have our uh, our ears to the ground of of what working families are using to cover their kids for health insurance. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's a really important piece. Honestly, we can slice the data a hundred different ways sure. and show um, and show you know all the different ways that working families are being impacted by these costs. But I really do think this paper kind of gives the important messages about um, rising costs and how working families are going to be dealing with it in the future. So I think our next move is going to be. Um, we're actually working with the Leonard Davis Institute here at um, Penn to put together a brief that's going to be coming out later this fall, um, kind of laying out some of the policy options um, that states can consider as they're trying to figure out how to deal with this. Um, and there's all sorts of different approaches. I won't quite get to get into the weeds here. It gets yeah. very weedy. But, uh, but again, do you think that, that, that the way to approach this moving forward maybe the best approach is to look at this from the state level. I think that's um, I think that's probably the most feasible option in the short term. I think ultimately this is going to have to be a federal conversation. Right. But as we as we talked about before, <laughs> I don't think that's likely to, to materialize in the next year or two. That's the unfortunate part of it is that we can't get to that point yeah. at, at this point. But but when you're talking about all, all of the different families, and as you mentioned, you're talking about nationwide data. Uh, at this point, it, it does make you wonder, you know, what the mindset is of the average consumer right now, mm-hmm. that they have to be extremely worried that that they can't afford the private health insurance that is coming from their employer, that they feel that the best option yeah. is for them to go with these programs from the from the federal government. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think it's I think this is this is an issue that it's it can sound kind of uh, abstract or hard to think about when you're at the national level, but when you really bring it back down to like the dollars that a family is thinking about. Yeah. So to to give you an idea in the middle income bracket of our study, we were, we were looking at families that were earning about 200% of the federal poverty level. So let's say that's a single parent and their one child. That's yeah. about they'd be earning about $32,000 a year. Yeah. So if you're suddenly looking at an increase from 3,000 to $5,000 to uh, have health insurance through your employer for those two, that's a really tangible amount of money that Absolutely. really impacts like the day-to-day choices that those families are making. And I don't think you can blame them for seeking out an affordable option. It's it's just the rational kind of economic choice that they're making, especially when the benefits on public insurance are comparable in many instances. And the filter down effect that that obviously occurs when you have to pay more for that health insurance, then you can't buy the same type of food items. You have to think about different transportation. It's that filter down effect that I think Again, it's another piece to this story that that needs to be even 
talked about even more to be able to truly understand how much healthcare really does play a role into so many different areas of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there, there's actually one, um, there's kind of a, a current policy piece to this that um, has come up in the last couple of weeks where there's been um, a proposal by the administration's Office of Management and Budget to change in the next decade how the federal poverty level is calculated. So using a different inflation in- index. Um, and what it would actually mean for a lot of working families is that even though they wouldn't be earning any different, the dollar amount wouldn't be changing what they have in their bank account, um, fewer families would be considered below the federal poverty level. And so that means fewer families will qualify for these programs like Medicaid or CHIP. And why that worries me is that we've demonstrated with our data is that there is a need for this. And healthcare costs, there's no signs that they're going to be trending downward anytime soon. So it concerns me a lot. as someone who who cares about children having access to high quality benefits, that there could be families who currently have this need who in the future would no longer qualify, yeah. even though nothing has changed in their bank account. Doug, thanks for coming in. Greatly appreciate it. Appreciate it. Doug Strain uh, from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Again, the report, Growth of Public Coverage Among Working Families in the Private Sector. Many thanks to Doug for coming into the studio. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 